Well, I am again so privileged that you are here today, and uh, as we prepare to share today what I want to do, I want to share with you that when I was growing up, my parents insisted that no matter where we were, uh, and, uh, but at a, at a specific time, that we as a family would come together to the dinner table. And it was intentional, it was non-negotiable, didn't matter where you were in the city, you knew that at a specific time that you had to be in the house and at the dinner table. And as I think about that particular time, it wasn't just for the children, but it was for the adults as well. That every person, no matter where they were, no matter uh, what they were doing, that they would drop, they would stop, and they would come to the dinner table. And looking back on that, that I recognized as we grew up, that one of the reasons that our family was so strong growing up was because of the table. Today, we're going to talk about a different type of table as we receive communion. But before we do that, there is something that I want you to reflect on and think about. And that is when you go to a fine dining restaurant, um, in addition to them asking you about what you want to eat, they will ask you two questions. Uh, now, I'm not talking about, you know, at a fast food restaurant, but I'm talking about a fine dining restaurant. They'll ask you this question, how many are in your party? And then they'll ask you the question, is there a special occasion? Now, it's important that you know the answer to both of those because the hostess will ask you how many are in your party. And the reason for that is so that uh, she can and the place where you are can accommodate your needs. And when you answer the question, how many are in your party, party, what they do is that they prepare a table just for you. Now, if you don't know the answer to that question when you are asked, and they say, how many are in your party? And you say, well, I don't know. And then they ask you the question, why are you here? Or do you know why you're here? And you say, well, I really don't. Then they would think that you, would, you were confused and that you wandered in the place not really knowing what it was you wanted to do. Now, so we're going to have to answer those questions today uh, because as we receive and prepare for the Lord's table, you do need to know those two things. What do you need to know? You need to know who you are going to be with. The second thing that you need to know is why you are there. Communion is a very interesting word. I love this word. It really means common or it refers to um, communication and uh, it also refers to the word common. So when you speak of communion, it means that it is someone who has something in common. And it re usually refers to that um, you can share what you have in common and, and, or anything you have simply because you are communing together. And then also it represents companionship. Companionship and sharing anything that you have. And that's generally what's associated with the word communion. And when we think about that, we can recognize that communion is more than just eating bread and drinking juice. Uh, when we focus on communion, it's a beautiful picture because it is possible 
to go to drink the bread, to drink the juice and eat the bread. It is possible to go through the actions, but not have the experience of companionship. Perfect example is that if Gwen and I went to a restaurant together, and during the entire meal, I was checking my social media. During the entire meal, I was uh, checking my email and my text messages, but we ate together. Now, although we went through the action, we did not have companionship. Why? Is because I ignored her during our time together. When we look at that, we ask the question, and that's what we need to answer today, and that is that why are we here? And the second question that we need to answer is how many are in your party? My God. Would you just repeat this? I need to know, need to know how, many how many are in my party, in my party. And, I and I need to know why. I am here. Paul encourages us in, to be in the moment when we're receiving communion. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 25 and 26, he says these words. Would you read that with me, church, together? Now, in the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. And so we should come to this, the table, and we should be reminded and celebrate the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. And so let's answer the questions. How many are in your party? And let's answer the question, are you celebrating a special occasion? The first question, how many are in your party? You see, when you come to the communion table, there should always be a table set for two. See, when Gwen and I go out on a, uh, a date and we go to a wonderful restaurant, the objective is to nurture the relationship and for me to romance her. And, and, and so when we go out on that date, we, we want a table for two. Why? Is because of we want to be, have, we have something in common and we want to be companions to one another. When you come to the communion table, look, I'm telling you that it could be hundreds of people in the restaurant, but regardless of that, we can still have an intimate relationship with one another. Why? It's because there is a table for two. Even though you may take communion and receive communion in the midst of hundreds of people, the table should always be set for two. When we look at that and we recognize then that the table should be set for two, we recognize that we're in the midst of many different people, whether it's in a restaurant or whether it's in the church. You know what, when I think about that, that all of us have something in common. Because the Bible tells us very clearly in Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, and there could be people in the place where we are, in the restaurant where you go, that may be believers or unbelievers, non-believers in Jesus Christ, but it does not matter why. It's because you all have something in common. The Bible says in Matthew 5, 45, that it rains on the just and the unjust alike. And so everybody shares something in common. What is that? Frustrations? Everyone shares in common uh, disappointments. Every person 
shares discouragements. Every person gets frustrated in life, and every person can become tired. And all of them, no matter where they are, where they've come from, how much experience they have, every person can go through valleys in their life. Do you know what a valley is? A valley is nothing but a low point between two high points. And the Bible uses the word valley to suggest challenges in life. Joshua really talks about, in the book of Joshua, it talks about the valley of calamity. In Psalm 84, it talks about the valley of weeping. And Hosea talks about the valley of trouble. And because a valley is just a low point between two high points, you know what, there are financial valleys, there are emotional valleys, there are relational valleys. Uh, there are different types of valleys that we experience in our lives. But the good thing about a valley is that a valley is, has a beginning and it also has an ending. Why? It's because if it is a low point between two high points, you were never expected to live in a valley and the valley to stay, the challenging times to stay always. But you were created to go through those valleys to a place that's higher than where you've been in the past. Well, what do you mean? I love Psalm 23. If you would turn there in your Bibles. Psalm 23 and even verse 4 tells us valleys don't last. It says, yea, though I walk through the valley. See, the valley is not a place that you're supposed to stay your entire lives. But it's a place you go through. It's a, it, a valley has a season to it. It has a time frame. And the time doesn't last always, but the, the valleys, the frustrations, the low points, the challenging times, they should exist just for a season. Now, we love mountaintops, but you don't need faith on the mountaintop. Well, you need your faith that is in the valley. You're in Psalm 23. If you're there, shout, uh-huh. Let's look in verse 1. It says, the Lord is, let's read verse 1 through verse 3. Hey, champions, let's read that together like we know it is the word of his power. Together. Now, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. David is writing this psalm. And David, when he writes it, and we look in verses 1 through 3, he uses a third-person pronoun. He says, he leads me beside still waters. David says, he leads me into green pastures. He restores my soul. David is talking about God. And he says, yea, though I walk, in verse 4, through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. You are, are your rod and your staff. They comfort me. See, in verses 1 through 3, he uses a third-person pronoun, and he talks about God. But then now, as he recognizes that he's got someone that he has something in common with, that is his companion, and can share anything with him that he has, David stops talking about God, and he starts using a second personal pronoun, pronoun and he starts talking to God. He says, you are with me. Your rod and your staff comfort me. My God, after having financial valleys, after having relational valleys, after having emotional valleys in your life, and you don't have any energy left, 
because human energy runs out. In the valley, you need a power that's beyond yourself. And that's why we keep coming back to the table. Why do we keep coming back to the table? It is a table that's set for two. And as we recognize that it's a table that's set for two, why specifically do we keep coming back to this table? The writer of Colossians chapter 1, it says it like this in verse 11. It says, God will strengthen you with his own great power, with his own great power, so that you will not give up when your trouble comes. But you will be patient. Come on, would you say, God will strengthen me with his great power. I declare I will not give up when trouble comes. I live by faith. The reason that we keep coming to this table in life is because we keep coming to this table. The reason that we have hope in this table is because we have hope in this table. The reason that we keep coming to this table and we can share intimacy, we can share relationship, we can share companionship is because we keep coming to this table and we get from this table what we know how to share at this table. So we keep coming. Why? Why are you here? Why are you here? Why, why are you here? It is because this table represents the past, the present, and the future. Well, what do you mean? It represents the past, the present, present and, the and the future. You know, during the Jewish Passover in the Old Testament, the Bible tells us in the book of Exodus chapter 12 that, that, that we were to proclaim or they were to proclaim deliverance from the Egyptian bondage. And so uh, he uh, instructed them to have the first Lord's Supper to declare that they had been set free. And today we keep coming to this table to declare that he has set us free from our past, from our sin. He has set us free. And because we've been set free, we can keep coming to this table. We come to this table because of our presence. The Bible says that it is a time of refreshing and communion. Romans chapter 5 verse 10, it talks about that we participate in the benefits of Jesus' death and resurrection. And what happens is that we are being refreshed and we are being empowered by the Spirit of God. And so because the, the Bible tells us that we lay aside our weight that so easily ensnares us. You know what? Weight uh, some weight is good for a period of time, but you were not designed to carry the weight around your entire life. See, you notice this, that if you work out, you may work out, but you work out with weight. And then what happens that after you pick them up for a period of time, what do you do? You put them down. Why? It's because they are designed to build you up, but they're not designed to carry around all day long. How can you imagine somebody that go to work out in the morning and then they just hold those weights all day long, carry them around from one appointment to another? No, in the physical, we put them down. And so the Bible tells us that in the, in the spiritual, we put them down as well. And so we keep coming to this table because there are times of refreshing in the presence of the Lord. And because we can get rid of the weights, we can come now and enjoy the relationship that we have with one another. Why do we keep coming to this table? Because of our past, because of our present, but also we keep coming because of the future. It's a time of recommitment. And it's a time of expectation. 
1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 28 and 29 tells us this. And it says that we are to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. What does that mean? We are to examine our lives. So when we examine our lives, that we keep coming to this table, that God began to show us how we can move beyond our present, how can we move beyond our past, how you can move beyond the valleys and ultimately come to a place on the mountaintop.